0: tj found his freedom again i did i know he's had these like ups and downs and now he's like up on
1: that freedom life he's back about to hit that 50 and just keep running
2: no doubt man you you couldn't have said it more perfect i have i found my freedom again but it's been a roller coaster
0: welcome to find your freedom the best entrepreneurship podcast Be sure to check out our website, findyourfreedompod.com, for all the tools and tips you need to find your own freedom. Also, sign up for our badass newsletter. Yo, 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 welcome to Find Your Freedom, TJ. So excited to have you on with us today.
2: Thank you for having me. Welcome to the pod, TJ. How you guys doing? Yo, Jonathan. This is long,
0: long time coming, bro. We've been uh, trying to get you on the pod for a little while now, but you've been too busy living your life of freedom, bro.
2: (laughs) That I have. Guilty as charged.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love watching your uh, Instagram, taking your family on trips, taking your lady on trips. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, sort of what this phase of your life is like right now? Now that you, you know, like just before we even started recording, you're just saying like, yeah, man, like I'm just firing on all cylinders and I'm like really living my life of freedom.
2: I really am. You know, I think the biggest part of that is my one of my three daughters. Uh, my daughter, Corinza, has come in two years ago, a little over two years now, and has taken over as the operations manager, and it's really given me the freedom to travel, you know, to not worry about my books <laughs> that I'm being embezzled or stolen from, and um, and, and
1: not only uh, that, yeah,
2: I can't wait to get to that best.
0: story. <laughs> All right, let's just you already you already referenced it. Let's just jump right into it.
1: Let's get the elephant in the room. Let's go. All
0: right, so you so you run Ben Painting, super successful mm-hmm. painting company up in Bend, Oregon, and you've been doing it for what 14 years now. Is that right?
2: Uh, this May was 26th. Oh
0: my gosh. Update your website, bro. (laughs) (laughs) You've been at it for 26 years. 26 years. Oh, I love that, dude. Oh my gosh. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Your, uh, your website's only a decade behind. So that just shows how when you run a good company, sometimes the website doesn't matter because word of mouth is far superior to a good website. Oh, that's awesome. There you go. All right. <laughs> All right. So tell us, tell us a little bit about this uh, embezzlement employee, just real quick, like real quick, what was happening in the company and then uh, sort of how that impacted you guys?
2: Well, you know, what? it was basically what was happening in my life. I, uh, I had a spontaneous, I had a 15 year marriage and I had my four beautiful kids. And then there had been a short period of time where uh, they were young. And I jumped too quick and I got into a quick, quick two-year marriage that, that didn't work out, that uh, ended up hurting the kids, hurting me, hurting all kind of stuff because of my lack of discretion, et cetera. And so during that time, I had a, an amazing office manager who was real qualified, CPA, the whole nine that worked for me, that was really handling things well. Well, right about the four-year mark, she got married, moved on, got a new got my sister back in, or a new operations manager, and was looking at my books. I said, TJ, you need to come over here and take a look at this. Something uh, is off." Uh, well, ooh. you know where I was for the last two years: soaking, traveling, you know, licking my wounds. And I took my mm. eyes off the price. I took my eyes off my business, and I trusted this person. And during those four years. Long story short, what we found was over two hundred thirty-five thousand that she embezzled from me. Yeah, taken out the bottom. Taken out taken out the bottom. And you know, in my distraction, in my my healing, <laughs> my healing time of life, I got taken. I took my eyes off the prize. You know.
1: So t- your takeaway from f- your takeaway from what happened, like how would you caution others. So it's like your, your business is going really well. You'd been in business for quite a while at that time, made good money, seeing a lot of success for, for entrepreneurs that are kind of on that cruise control mode, how would you caution them? Like, what should they be looking out for to avoid that from happening to them?
2: Well, first off, one of the things that I think is different for me, from most, most of your, your guests, first off. Wow. I'm blown away by the guests that you have on the show, um, their wisdom, their ambition, their successes. It's been incredible to listen and to watch. It's inspiring. I, my background is I have no education. I have no degrees. I had to learn this all the hard way. So in doing so, you know, I would say, make sure you go and get a business degree. Make sure you have double accountants, people checking your books. Um, That I didn't. And, and so being 49 years old, almost 50, I literally come from the generation of handshakes, where when we, when we shook hands or when we signed a contract, it was, it was binding. I mean, it's the way you do it. You don't steal either, you know, or there's consequences. That should be a given, right? It should be a given. Well, you know, 26 years now that Ben Penny has been going, times have changed. You know, employees have changed. Every, life's changed. You know, society has changed. And if you don't keep up with those changes, there you go. I'm a perfect example. Perfect example.
0: I just want to jump in and say, dude, thank you so much for the kind words. Like we're really excited about what's happening with the pod right now. But um, I think that one thing Doug and I haven't done a good job of that I think you're pointing out right now, we haven't done a good enough job of having, you know, all the different types of entrepreneurs on. I think we've had a lot of um, sort of some bigger companies Uh, some, some hyper successful people. But there's so many more of the people that are living these great lifestyle companies, that they're able to take care of their families really well, they're able to live comfortable lives. Mm -hmm. And you're the perfect example of how you've been running this business for now, you know, 26 years, you've had ups and downs, but you've been able to the whole time, sort of just take care of your family, Um, grow it when you need to grow it, take it easy when you're able to take it easy. And I think your story resonates really well with a a really large, you know, portion of our audience who are saying, I want to run a business like Ben painting. I want to, um, start my own thing. You know, I have some experience with this or I've always uh, been thinking about it. Can you take us back to when you started the painting company? What were what were your initial thoughts? What was your experience? And and like, how did it really, you know, get off the ground 26 years ago?
2: Who would you mind if I go back a little further? Please do. Yes, please. So to kind of I think it'll set up the understanding for your listeners. So where I got started at a young age was I had an opportunity. Lo and behold, because my mom used to work for this Halloween company it was a, it was a wholesale, second biggest wholesale Halloween company in the world. And it was owned by the Kardashians. So at the time it was Robert Kardashian or Bob, you know, and, um, and his wife, Chris. So my mom worked for them. So when I was, gosh, 11, 12, 13, 14, during those years, they would have photo shoots for the Halloween costumes that you would see like in Sears and JC Penney's. And, you know, they hanging on the hook, all, all of our kids end up buying yep. up. Well, oh, I was I was that kid for years that, that was on the face of those costumes, um, and, and so at that moment,
0: I'm gonna go find one of those pictures. I'm gonna go find one of those I, pictures. I'm gonna use we gotta it as pull that thumb, up. I'm gonna use it as your thumbnail for the podcast. I, oh hell yeah!
2: I got, I got a few. I got a few. I just go to my go to yes. my. Uh, I did a throwback Thursday about three four months ago, and I posted some on my social media. So you you can you can see the great American <laughs> hero. It. And the ninja. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, all right, all right. So so you are that kid for the for the Kardashians. All right.
2: Right. right. So then uh I have a trouble past. I just I'm just going to lay it out there. I grew up in South Town San Diego, which is basically Palm Avenue 2 miles from the border of Tijuana, Mexico. So growing up in that environment, my dad took off when I was about 8. Um and at that moment, it was hard to live and to, to survive with my mom and my sister, uh, there was times when we were homeless. But then people, by their graciousness, they, they would bring us in, let us share like a ten by ten bedroom with three single beds. Wow! You know, kind of, kind of in a horseshoe, which I'm very thankful for. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not complaining, but by any means, but it was rough uh, growing up in Southtown San Diego, and it was rough growing up poor. Uh, so, with that being said. Uh, I ended up getting kicked out of high school in my junior year, the first couple of months into it. Uh, there was a gentleman who, who came over to take care, take over our school, to, to reform it, to make it better. And he came in, Mr. Escamillo, and he was on uh, that movie Stand and Deliver. I don't know if you remember that movie. Oh, he was that's crazy. Wow. Yeah, That's the principal that took over that school in East LA. He was then called to come take over our school. Well, wow. we you know our school had Bob wire Around the Fences, no lockers. We weren't allowed to have lockers because you know what would go in those lockers. <laughs> um, and and <laughs> he was going to take over. Well, I never did well with that as a kid. I was purely, I was genuinely the black sheep. I was, that's just who I was, but I was trying to survive. Well, he didn't like my attitude. I didn't listen to what he wanted to say, so he expelled me. Wow. At that time, my dad came out of the woodwork and said, hey, why don't you come back east to West Virginia, where he's originally from, and hey, let's come catch up. I said, sure. Well, that was short lived, He ended up leaving there as well. But I was was in the middle of Christmas break my senior year, so I wanted to graduate. So I ended up getting my own apartment, um, graduating from high school, and I was also working two jobs at the same time. So one of the jobs was I was managing a retail clothing store for men and women back in the Ohio Valley Mall. Well, during that time, I was ready to come back. Yeah, I graduated. I had mentioned it to my mom. My mom was still working for this Halloween company that had then been sold to two of the uh, executives or vice presidents at the time uh, that used to work for the Kardashians. So they took over, rebranded this Halloween company and the director of human resources overheard my mom. She asked my mom, so what, what store does he manage? She's like, I used to work for 12 years with a sister company to this store. I know how they I know how they train. I know how they met, how they raised wow. people up. Do you think TJ would consider moving back to San Diego and helping me launch our new retail program? Because they're a wholesale company. It's a wholesale Halloween company, but they wanted right. to have right. a, a retail a retail presence in San Diego and in LA. And my territory that they were going to possibly offer me would be San Diego. So she calls me. I said, sure. So she goes, I'm going to call you tomorrow. Can we have a phone interview? You no. Know? Log out about an hour of your time. I'm like sure. So Shelly calls me. She's a director of human resources for the company at this time. Interviews me. Calls me back two days later. She goes, "When can, can you be here in two weeks?" I'm like, okay, let's go. So now yeah, from, yeah. from a from a teenager, you know, posing for these these silly costumes and makeup and all this stuff. Not that they're silly, but I look silly. Um, now I'm coming back to launch a brand new retail program. How old are you at this point, TJ? Twenty. Okay. 20 years, 20 years old. So I'm like, wow, I'm nervous. Like, this is a big task to take to launch something off the ground. You know, my, I had 12, I ended up having 12 stores in San Diego County and all over. And another gentleman took Los Angeles. Well, the cool thing was for six months, I got to work with Shelly side by side. She mentored me, literally mentored me. She would teach me all these principles and these things not to do. And, you know, and and, and all the, it was so priceless to me. So we launched it. It was successful. Um, But at the end of that season, I had, I had, boy, joined a short-term, kind of like a Bible college. It was like a nine-month course. And I ended up meeting my wife at that time. Seven months later, we got married.
1: Wow. (laughs) You wasted no time.
2: I wasted no time. So the reason why is my past prior to that, I have always been in business. It was just not legal business that I used to do when I was younger. Now, we're gonna just leave it at that. But I used my street skills and the things that I learned on the streets, how to deal with people, you know, honor, your word, you know, all those types of things that make a successful businessman successful. Go ahead. Right. Um, So I took those principles, and apply them to actual business and so throughout my life i've been blessed to get these opportunities right to be chosen as the one help start a retail program. i'm like are you nuts
0: <laughs> right
2: that's 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 crazy that's above me you know again i i, I didn't even go to college like how is this possible well by the grooming and the, and the mentorship
0: you're smart And they could tell that you were good at what you were doing, which was networking and working hard and managing people and people like working with you. Mm -hmm. Like those are traits that like, you don't need to always have a master's degree or even a a bachelor's degree. Like you have a master's in being a good person, a master's in being a good boss, a master's in developing people. And those are traits that I think a lot of people notice. (laughs) And that's why you're getting these opportunities, TJ. At that, at that early age, at, you know, 20, with yeah. that, you know, really, really rough background. And I and I love how you brought us back to those early years to give us a little bit of understanding about really like where you came from. Right. And that'll make us really better appreciate sort of where you've been.
1: Exactly. And my big takeaway, TJ, from what from what you said was, uh, you know, you started off by saying, like, I have no degrees, no real formal education, just barely made it through high school. Mm-hmm. But then you got under the wing of this woman, Shelly, and she was a knowledgeable business person. She saw a lot of potential in you. And that's where you got your education that served you later when you, when you started up your business. You know, it's like, I think a lot of times people use that as an excuse why they can't be successful. I didn't go to college. You know, I don't have the degrees. I can't compete out here with those that did. But really, it's the experience. And it's those mentors that you can get up under where that can be more valuable, way more valuable than even going to college or getting that degree.
2: I 100% agree. At least in my in my situation, 1 million percent. Yeah. Um, I just didn't have that opportunity. You know, I had to work. I actually signed up when I was back east for college, and I was going to be, I wanted to be a psychologist. And so I started, but I had to take a full ride. Well, I couldn't work two jobs and take a full ride. Ended up melting down and dropping out. Like, I just couldn't do it. It wasn't feasible. I um, yeah. had to pay my own bills. So then, at that same time, I was asked to go on tour with my my good buddies who um i was friends with that i introduced to start a band back in the day and that band is still rock and rolling today uh pod i don't know if you guys have heard of youth oh of the gosh. nation
0: of course yeah oh, i yeah. love that yeah. yes yes yeah.
2: yes so noah came to me one day who was kind of like like my surrogate dad in a sense noah and agnes they they're like my second mom and dad that that raised us kids in the streets you know they were they were 15 years old when they when they had love and Raya was 16 years old, I believe when she had Sonny, which is a drummer and the lead singer. Yeah. So Noah was like, hey, TJ, they were at that time signed under his record company called Rescue Records. He said, we're going to launch our first tour around the country. I want you to go with them, be their tour manager, take care of the merchandise and all the finances. Would you be down?
0: Oh, my goodness.
2: I'm like Heck yeah. Are you kidding me? We'll see all these cities and tour.
0: <laughs> what an opportunity. I love that.
2: So I did that, you know, and and it was, I don't know, about a month, month or so. It's kind of a mini tour. So I get back home, but yet.
0: So how long were you working for the retail company? And then how long did you do the tour for? How long did you work with Shelly?
2: About a year and a half, because it was a time period before that to set up this whole program. And then, you know, Halloween season is only from Yay, you know, but the whole setup of, of getting all these storefronts. Uh, the brick and mortar storefronts and and getting them all set up and merchandising. It was, what a learning lesson. So now I'm in a dilemma because my children's mom, my wife at the time, that was, we were getting ready to get married in October. I turned 21 in September. Now the boys are really ready to go on tour and do some things because the hype's out there. They're getting sought after by big record labels. But I, my heart changed. And my heart changed this way. I wanted to go and help kids. I wanted to work with teenagers. I wanted to pour into them and give them a shot like I was given a shot. But more than that, give them hope so that they didn't have to go to the crap I went through growing up. Wow. And for some reason, I've always been able to connect with high school kids, you know. So I decided, got married seven months later. We pack up. We're broke at this point because I gave up wasn't working anymore like i gave it all up so we drive up right. the five to go ultimately up to like bellingham washington where her sister was seattle and then on the way back through a gentleman said hey there's this opportunity for you to work with with teenagers if you want it's in bend oregon I'm like where's bend oregon <laughs> <laughs> <Grandma> says, <"Yeah." laughs> the only thing right. that exists <laughs> is southern california right so i'm like okay well how about i drive through on the way back home It's, I looked at a map, it's two and a half hours from, you know, from Salem, Oregon. I'm going to do that. So we zip through, the town's 29,000 people at this point, just tiny. It was uh, 94, I would say, tiny town. We both looked around like, it's as good of a place as any, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, I'm from the concrete jungle, so there's all these big trees. (laughs) And um, I was just excited to work with kids. So we go home, we pack up, two weeks later, we move up. Now, let me remind you, this is a non-paying job working with these kids, you know, and I probably work oh. 15, 16 hours a week with them in the, in the evenings and the weekends. So when I first came up here, the number one thing I knew I didn't want, I didn't want to do retail anymore because, you know, those hours, right. Right. evenings, weekends, it's just, it's impossible. It's a, it's a wacky schedule. But I said, well... I'm just gonna do whatever. And this is where it comes to the painting part of it. All
1: right, here we are. There was a
2: guy who was a part of the startup up here in Bend Oregon and he was painting for another gentleman. He goes, Yeah, I'll give you a job. I'm like, nine to five, basically, you know, eight to four. Let's do it. Sounds I great. my wife at the time, yeah, <laughs> she she got a job at the bank for five fifty an hour, and I got a job painting for six bucks an hour. I was stoked. <laughs> stoked. I don't know why. It, it kind of sounds silly.
0: Yeah. Well, you were stuck inside work in retail, which fits well with some people, but I know your personality working outside, you know, being in nature, being with people. Like I could totally see how that would be something that you would
2: vibe with. Yeah. I just, I needed my evenings and I needed my weekends so that I could, yeah. I could hang yeah. out and work with these, Perfect. with these youth, you know, that's what I wanted to do. So at that time, my wife was a uh, cosmetologist in California, but the hours don't transfer over in Oregon. So she had to be a cosmetologist licensed up here. She had to go back to school and get, I don't know what it was, 500 hours something like that. Wow. So right wow. when she decided to start doing that, man, I got the news. Monet's on the way.
1: Baby on the way.
2: Baby on the way.
1: Shit got real. So, yep.
2: So now I'm up to 850 an hour. So I've been here for about three years, right? Two and a half years, three years. I'm making a whopping... $8.50 an hour. She's making nothing cuz she's she's going to school. Right. So I go and at that time to make that work we downsized from our little small duplex that we had into a 14 by 52 foot 40-year-old trailer. When I'm talking trailer I'm talking like trailer park
1: legit trailer.
2: Yeah, I mean you you can't write this stuff. <laughs> Are we talking single wide double wide? 14 feet wide by 52 feet long, mm. 40 years old. But you know what? The baby was on the way. And me, I was the one. You had to that do what you did. had to do. I did the books. You know, back then it was, yeah. we had checkbooks. So I had to, you know, I had to do the yeah. checkbook. And and I didn't mind that stuff. One day I got home a little right. bit before my wife did because she was working late. And I was sitting there at the table and I was doing the math because we were getting free stuff for the baby on the way formula, all these different things. But one of the things that wasn't accounted for was diapers. Oof. About 40 bucks a month. I don't know what they cost now because my kids are older, (laughs) but it was about 40 bucks a month. Well, guess what, man? As I sat there, tears started to stream down my eyes. Wow. When I realized I'm going to be a father, but what father doesn't provide for his children? Yeah, brutal. And at that moment, I got angry and I got angry with God. And I said, I left all that I left back in California to do what I believe you called me to do, to come up here and work with with, with youth and all this stuff. And I can't even afford $40 for diapers for my child that's on the way. And as you could probably imagine, when I talk to God, I talk to God. You know, we have a different relationship than other people do with God. And I was pissed. And I was yelling. I can't believe. I'm a badass worker. I work hard. Nobody works as hard as me. Yeah. But yet I'm gonna be a deadbeat, worthless father that can't afford diapers for his kid. The next day I'm sitting having coffee with my with my buddy Johnny, and I call him Big Dog. He's six foot six, about ten years older than I was, and I'm telling him the situation, and he goes, "Why don't you start your own business?" I go, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Why don't you start your own business, like a painting business?" <laughs> yeah, you're already <laughs> doing it.
1: Dang, Big Johnny, you saw it hadn't even occurred to you before he, before he said that.
2: Can I tell you why it's never occurred to me? I don't think, maybe there's one or two people out there. I always make a joke about this. Do you think when I was young, when I was growing up, I said, you know what? One day, when I get old, I'm going to be a painter. Never was that even an inkling in my mind. Because they're looked down upon as a whole. Lowly, drunks, alcoholics, drug addicts, right? I mean, tradesmen in general. They're not always esteemed or looked up upon as something that you made it. So I didn't even consider it.
0: That's what I think is so interesting. I'm just going to jump in right here. I think this story is so incredible. I've recently had the realization like, I think you're being a little harsh on the, on the, on the, outlook of tradesmen whatever but just i think ai specifically is helping people look at like what jobs are easily replaceable with this artificial mm-hmm. intelligence and then i think there's going to be this real kind of look at at there's a lot of these jobs out here that are so critical so important you know we need plumbers we need painters we need electricians we need mechanics and i think it's gonna there's gonna be a in the next year or two like another just like real trends like these are jobs that are so critical you know, we need our houses taken care of, we need our houses painted, and a real appreciation, a renewed appreciation for these jobs that support people with real good lives now. And they're not going away ever, because they cannot be replaced. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can see that, you know, during certain periods, those jobs might have been not as um, appreciated. And I'm hoping that this AI, yeah, this AI is gonna really say, like, wow, these are such critical jobs and they deserve the same type of respect and admiration that we have for these other industries. And I hope it helps there more be more support for the trade schools and for the um the training of these people. Cause Ben Painting ain't going away with AI. <laughs> right. you know, and you, and mean, you know what?
2: There's no yeah. there's no concerns. Jonathan, you're absolutely right. And you know what? I'm already seeing the shift. It's already happening because we pay well now. Tradesmen.
0: Right. Right.
2: Most of us get more money than than people that just come out of college. Right. You know, with no debt, with no college debt. So the shift is happening. So when I'm sitting down there with Johnny and I'm like, man, I don't know, man, because I work eight hours a day. You know. Weeks out of the month and I'm barely and I still can't make my bills. So he said, let me ask you something. What would you need to encourage you to go out, get your contractors? license? What would you need financially? Like, or let's let's see, he says like a house. Like, do you need a house to paint? I'm like, Johnny, if I had one small track home that's like new construction, inside, outside, first off, I could finish it by myself in five days, five working days. And number two, it would double what I make working for the entire month, that profit. Wow, in five days. So he goes, and he starts smirking and laughing like he does, like Johnny does. I'm like, What? What's up with this? You're
1: like, what's so funny?
2: (laughs) Right? And he goes, you, man, you're funny. And I go, what do you mean? He's like, oh, Mr. TJ, coming up here to do this, living by faith. How big is your God? I go, what? He goes, is your God too little that he can't give you that one house a month? And he starts smirking again. I go. Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah. He called me out. He called me out on, on, on what I believe and and what I've already put into motion and how I even got to Bendor. Challenge accepted. Within one month, I think I made three times more than I made working all month. And By the second month, I just kept compounding. I love it. By the third month, by the second year, when I went to my CPA, he, he was so pissed at me. He was TJ, Why didn't you come in here sooner? What are you talking about? You're gonna owe probably eighty thousand in taxes. What? <laughs> what
1: do you mean? Uh, that first painful uh, tax bill.
2: He's like, I have doctors, lawyers, developers, big time contractors in this town. You make more money than most doctors right now in my second year of business. I was like, wow. No, everybody makes money like this, right? He's like, no. So, so go this way. Now I was ashamed, right? Of kind of calling myself a painter. We'd go on these fancy trips, places, and end up getting seated at a round table. And there would be the who's who's at these tables. And they would all go around and start talking about what they did. And, oh, big dogs, right? These, these guys were successful men. And they would come to me. And I don't know why I did this, because my attitude has shifted since then. But I'd be like, I'm an entrepreneur. Just leave it at that. Because I, I am an entrepreneur.
1: Hell yeah, you are.
2: But I also knew the first thing they all thought was, yeah, he's a drug dealer.
1: <laughs> oh, really? Because <laughs> I, didn't, I, I,
2: didn't, I didn't expound on it. Because why? Everybody was just big chesting, You know, why, why even expound on it? Yeah. But then something hit me later.
0: Yeah, that imposter syndrome.
2: You know, and I realized, you know what? I'm not a painter. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm I'm a man who saw a need, took it to provide for his children. And wow, who would have thought that me becoming a painting contractor would do all this? Would do all this? It, it, it's, it. in, it's incredible. Yes, man, dude, it's your,
1: your story gave me so many goosebumps right now. Thank you. I'm I'm thinking about thinking about all the things that you just said right there and taking it in. And um, you know, one, I remember on a previous episode we were talking about how. I think sometimes parents, young parents, or parents that are maybe even in their 30s, you know, that have um, a stable job, are afraid to start a business because they have those mouths to feed, because mm-hmm. they have that extra pressure and overhead from trying to support their family. But our guest, when we were having that conversation, said they, your kids can be, your kids and your spouse can be the greatest motivator there is, yeah. and it sounds like that was kind of the same thing for you. That's All you it. needed was your your buddy Big John to say, Hey man, you need a house, you need one house to paint, and then that was it. You're off to the races and the rest is history.
2: Yeah. And that's why he laughed at me and mocked me. Because
1: <laughs> as I was <laughs>
2: as I was trying to sulk to him, he's a good enough friend that's like, no, oh, man. Now, no. I'm not gonna let you keep getting down on yourself. Let's do this. Have some faith. Trust it. Yeah. Take that leap. You're gonna take the leap. I know one of the questions that you had on here was what would be something that you would ask or say to somebody who was considering starting a job, right? Starting up a new business. And I loved it. And what came to my mind was first off, why? What's your motives? What's your intention? Why do you want to start this business? Know your why. Know your why. Now, as we know, so many businesses fail, especially restaurant businesses, gyms. I think they're the one, the top two of you know, most failed businesses within a year or two years, right? They, they start up, they go under. Now, I always ask myself, why is that? Because I think people go in they go into those businesses emotionally. They're emotional because it's something that they love and enjoy to do in their personal private life. And they intermix it with business when maybe they weren't cut out to be an entrepreneur. They were cut out to to dish up great recipes and to have, you know, a, a, a goddess body you know for the the work the guys who work out in the gym but then to mix that with owning your own gym you get it's emotional it's an emotional purchase not looking at all the overhead and, and the liabilities and and so when i went into been painting it was the furthest thing from emotional <laughs> i didn't want to be a painter i mean i wanted to join you guys on a podcast
1: <laughs> and here we are here we are Good 26 it. years later <laughs> right? so um, oh i love that so the 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 story sounds like you were kind of you had a quick start and by year two you were already crushing making more money than you'd ever dreamed you would make so you touched on the embezzlement you touched on it sounds like your cpa hit you with the fat bill that you weren't expecting after that huge second year what was the most difficult uh stage of the the business in those early years um that, that that you faced, Ben Penny?
2: Well, you know, going uh, 26 years now, gosh, I remember I went to that 9-11, right? 9-11, we probably hit 9, 10 months of a bubble because the whole world got rocked and it messed up our economy and stuff. Of course, 2008 hit. Yeah. That was horrific. That was also same year as my divorce, my separation of 15 years. Um, those were the hardest things. Because for me, when I came up here to Bend, Oregon, being a small town, coming with my work ethic, and also one of the things I had on my on my side was I didn't hunt, I didn't fish, I didn't snowboard or ski. I just wanted to work. So all these other subcontractors, <laughs> these contractors would lose them during hunting season, during fishing season, during skiing season. And they were <laughs> like, kind of living like, hey, I'm tra- we're trying to make money up here. I'm like, And I remember the first question this gentleman named Kelly asked me uh, from a company who I still work for today. He said, he asked me that, do you fish? Do you hunt? Do you snowboard? No, he goes, you're (laughs) you're hired. (laughs) You're hired. (laughs) And I still work for those guys to to this day. Um, I love that. So for me, just working hard and being diligent up here in this market. Now, the market's changed now. It's, It's pretty aggressive. It's different than it used to be. But it was really easy. I'll be honest with you. For me, it was just, it's like taking candy from a baby. But <laughs> I, you know, my purpose, my, the, my drive that yep. was within me was to take care of these kids. Now, I got to remind you, after Monet was Corinza, 17 months later. Hello. You know, what? <laughs> two in diapers now. And then two years uh, later was Michaela, <laughs> right? And then three years later was Xavier, just popping them out. I couldn't stop working.
0: Better keep working, yeah. There's your motivation right there. There you go. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm so curious. I love. I love your story. I love your passion for helping people. And then I was thinking about painting, and I was trying to compare it with other businesses. I think it's such a cool and interesting business. And I love that these are the types of businesses that you really are able to start with a low threshold. It gives people the opportunity. It's not like a huge risk where it takes like a huge amount of capital to do it. Mm -hmm. How is it that you use those attributes to kind of set yourself apart? Like I'm sure there was already other painting companies there. What is it that you think that helped it take off so quickly since it is kind of an industry that you can get into with a lower threshold? How do you protect yourself from the new competitors? And how did you make it initially? Um, with all these other companies that are able to get into it?
2: You know, great question. Part of it it was I was just going to show up. I gave my word. The second thing was my yes is yes and my no is no. It always has been. And if I can't do it, I'll say I can't do it. If if we're too busy and we can't take that job, I'll let people know instead of hoarding up jobs and then pissing off people for not performing. So that's the other thing. Um, I was already well-versed in in the corporate world, right? Marketing, things that look good, things that work, shiny stuff. Um, And so I already had that kind of in my tool belt. So I used it. I started branding my Vans with vinyl logos before anybody was doing that. They had magnets and stuff. I put out big ads in the phone book, like big ones. Made myself look bigger than I was. I made myself look more professional, (laughs) more qualified than I was. Guess what? It works. (laughs) <laughs> it works. And I always say this. I always said this from day one. I am not the best painter in town. But it doesn't mean I don't have to look like it. Right? It's all <laughs> part of business. Um, so those, those yeah. are some of the key things.
1: Yeah, TJ, I, I, have, I have mad respect for what you do because I don't know if you know this. I may have mentioned this to you back when we hung out 10 years ago in, in Sonoma. But I ran a painting business. It was my first uh, my first experience in entrepreneurship was running a painting business. And Jonathan can tell you, how stressed out I was. I'm not a person that gets easily stressed, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I'm I'm not super detail-oriented. That's not my strength. Um, So I remember uh, when I first started up the business, um, hired the painters and I'm all ready to go. And and you think you, I I thought I had a good handle on things. And then, you know, that first week, it's like I made 18 trips back and forth from the paint shop. Guys are quitting on me. Guys aren't showing (laughs) up. I mean, I'm letting the the client's dog out of the back their backyard, and I'm chasing the dog through their neighborhood. It's just like everything that you could <laughs> everything <laughs> that you could great. could picture goes wrong, and it was so it was the most stressful um, time period, literally, of my life to this day. I'm, I was 20 20 something at the time, so I have I have mad respect for for uh, for what you do. What so did you did you have any of that when you first started? Like just you know, the, the organizational challenges and and uh, keeping just keeping the train on the tracks when you when you started the business?
2: You know what? Not not really, because for the first couple of weeks, it was just me. Maybe the first month. Yeah. And then I hired one guy and he worked side by side with me and I trained him. Yeah. And then two and three, but they were all with me this whole time because I started to get subdivisions and, you know, it just kept going. I think I did a well enough job that... I didn't encounter all of that stuff, but no, letting the dogs out, you know, running to get an extra gallon of paint, uh, that that's just stuff that never ends. I mean, that's just going to happen, you know, uh, <laughs> that's the business. <laughs> and the, that's just the business, you know? So that was tough. There was a time though, you know, I was up to 39 guys at one point Jesus. and it was, it was wow. chaos. It, it was chaos. I mean, it was just, it was cool to do it. Cause I kind of wanted to do it just to see. And it was fun. But at the end of the day, you know, you sit down and you do the books and it's like, hmm, I make more money with 16 guys, you know, than, than I was with 39. But you don't know till you know. And less stress. And way less stress. So you want to talk about chasing a dog and r- running to the store like full-time runners. That's all it was at that point. I'm sure, of, see, I'm the only owner of my company. So if I had maybe like a partner or two, we could divvy up the, the workload and this, that, and the other. Um, I had some good foremen over the years, some great foremen, actually that um that helped that quite a bit but i noticed i was losing and again i think it it's culturally in society where our society is going so after the first 10 years or so i saw this decline in commitment and people actually taking pride in being a trade trades contractor because all of a sudden this social media frenzy hit get rich quick i want to be an influencer and... i want to be an influencer and all that stuff so i'm losing guys left and right like They don't want to be known now as a painter, concrete guy, plumber, because it's not cool according to social media, right? So I had to think about something. How am I going to re get my guys back, re get the commitment even from their wives and their kids to keep them there. What can I do? i got to figure this out. So I started, I'm like, either I'm going to quit because this is just, this is crazy. It's like, you know, Baby, I'm a babysitter. I'm just a professional babysitter. Or I'm gonna capture their hearts. And so what I did was, I took everybody on a company trip, just to get everything back. No, first it was I sent them all on cruises, them and their wives. So I sent them all my leads and stuff, all my guys on a cruise. They came back. Half of them came up, came back mad and pissed. The wives did because they over, bought too much alcohol and all that. They they spun the car too much. It's probably what happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: the other ones, they were in for life. They were like, Wow, we never had anybody do this to me. So over the years, we've gone to Jamaica, we've gone to Cancun multiple times, Kabul multiple times, Vegas multiple times, Hawaii. And the list goes on. We we've we've taken a ton of trips for that team building for I think just appreciation, you know? We all we all want to be appreciated, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so appreciate it's been a struggle. Right.
1: Appreciate your team and show them that they matter to you going above and beyond to to create that bond and culture that's that's so huge and another it thing that you, another thing you said tj that that kind of stood out that i wanted to kind of highlight too was uh you said um you know at one point you had what 39 on your 39. on your team right and then you realized that 16 was more optimal for you and in your lifestyle, your goals, your vision. I think a lot of people go, I just want to be as big as I can. And I just need to grow this, grow, 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 grow until you add all this extra stress to your life. Until you, And you got to ask yourself, like, why am I growing? Is this what I really want? And it sounds like, you know, along the way that you did that. And, you know, some people aren't wise enough to do it. So commend you for that. And I would encourage people that are on their path up growing figure out like it's don't grow for the sake of growing grow for because it's in line with what you want to be what you want to become what you want your business to become and try to uh, pursue the alignment as opposed to just growth for the sake of growth
2: absolutely and doug you know what to cap on that what you just said i love it because really the most important thing to me is my family and time with my family so i always made a vow that other than certain times, there's a time and place for this, but I wouldn't work weekends and I, and I, and I would come home for dinner every night. You know, It's the way it goes. That, that was my personal thing. And in my mind, I had set up, if my business takes me away from that, I don't want my business anymore. Because if a man gains the whole world, but loses his life or loses his soul, what then? What good is that? Right? So I, I can work, 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 work. And provide all this money, 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 money for my kids. But then my kids don't even know who I am. What was that worth? Fuck that. <laughs> That's horrible. You know? And so I kind of stayed stuck to that that goal, that alignment, that what's important to me. Yeah. And um, yeah, sure. I could get bigger. Or, I, I, you know, I have other businesses along the way, too, that have come and gone. But I've dabbled and dabbled in all these different ventures. Uh, ben Pena just happens to be the longest, longest one. Uh, but at the same time, never forgetting that. What are my priorities? And I'm going to keep them that way. And I watch you guys all the time. And I'd love to hear you talk about your wives, talk about your kids, your trips. I'm like, I love it. That's, <laughs> that's what we need. Because if we get to the top and you turn around and nobody's behind you. What was it all for? What was it all for? Yeah. You know, take, take them with you. And
0: that's what Find Your freedoms all about that. Exactly. Getting the time to do the things that make your heart full. Not, uh, you know, not always doing the grind. There's a time and a place for that grind. And it sounds like you definitely had different periods where you're like, oh man, I got to rebuild the business. I'm going to be putting in a few more hours. I'm going to be working a little extra harder. But there's always a finish line for that. All right, now we're back in business. Now I'm back to, you know, taking these weekends off with my kids, taking them on vacations, having that special time to really develop that relationship and show them how much you love them. And this is why I'm working hard so I can do this with you. And that's what it's always come back to, um, you know, for for Doug and I. And it sounds like you're in the same boat. We had a guest on just uh, a couple of weeks ago. He we said, "Yeah, man, like I could be making, you know, double, triple, quadruple the money if I wanted to keep putting in those hours. But like, what is that going to get me? How is that going to improve my life from where I am right now? I have what I need. And this guy grinded a lot in his early career and put in a lot of hours for a long uh, for a long time. But he knew, like, hey, I've gotten to that point." Um, uh, and I, I think that's a really important thing to, to remember.
2: Yeah. And I love what you guys do. I love the whole purpose of your podcast. What you were sharing with me earlier is you want to build up. You want to give back. You want to see people be successful. You want to help them. This is your own time that you're, you're spending, you're getting guests on to help others that it's like, I love it. You know? And for me, I think one of the biggest accomplishments that I can take away from my career, especially at Ben Painting, and in my life in general is, I, I have that attitude of taking everybody with me if I can, that there's enough for everybody. Mm. And so one of the things that really shocked me, but when I did the, the numbers the other day, I have 19 guys who I've trained up and helped start their own companies, own painting companies wow. here in Bend, Oregon. That's sick. And that brings me more joy. That's incredible. And more, co- like, like, I just, I'm full. Because there's enough for everybody and that proves it. Whether people would say, oh no, man, you're creating, you're building your competition. What? Right. Competition? There's enough. There's enough for Listen. all of us to eat. <laughs> First off, I don't compete, number one. Because if it was meant to be mine, it's gonna be mine. And if it's not meant to be mine, I don't want it.
1: <laughs>
2: so there's enough for everybody, but it's an attitude, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's an attitude. Right. But but what is enough? And that's what we we have to ask ourselves: What is enough? And it's different for everybody in different seasons of their lives, but it's it's crucial. Yeah. What's enough?
0: I mean. Yeah, I can tell just like hearing you like a lot of I think other business owners like man losing that good employee, losing that really critical member of my team, and then having them go start another company that potentially is competing. I love your outlook on that because I think that's probably not the majority uh, perspective that people have on it. But it's like, yeah, now this guy is, you know, doing his own thing, supporting his own family. And there's enough meat on the bone for us all to eat off of. Yeah. And to give them the, the training that you did to develop them and give them those opportunities. That's what a huge thing to be able to pride yourself on and have that perspective. That was really cool, TJ.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it was given to me first. So how can I not? That's awesome. You know, I was a kid who was voted most likely not to succeed. You know, I, I was like I said, I, I was a black sheep. You know, I was the unlovable kid because I was angry and I was sad and wanted a dad and all these different things. But there was a few people who saw something in me and they poured into me and they mentored me. They believed in me and it changed my life. So naturally, that's so cool. I, I cannot not, I have to do, I have to do the same thing. (laughs) They saved my life. These people saved my life and, and I'm, I'm so thankful.
0: Paying it back. Exactly. Yeah, you're paying it back. I love that. One of the questions that we ask all the guests on is what entrepreneurship means to them. How would you define entrepreneurship? I love that story of you sitting at the table saying, I'm an entrepreneur. Can you tell us what entrepreneurship means to you?
2: Ooh, I like that. Doing I think doing what you want to do. What you what you want to do, be who you want to be. I realize that everybody's created to be an entrepreneur. It's just a fact. You know, we we all have different personality types and And not everybody can do it. But in doing so, if you're going to go through sleepless nights, almost bankruptcy at times, you know, (laughs) stressed into the core, all these different things, you might as well do what you love, right? You might as well do what you love. I love that. That's awesome. I think that's, that's entrepreneurship, you know, but but go all in. Like I said, those things of integrity, honesty, your yes be yes, your no be no, or don't even get in the game.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you I think you just like really personify the grit and the resilience and the goodness that it takes to barely be a successful entrepreneur. Thanks so much for sharing your story with our audience, TJ. I think this is a really powerful one. I think it's really going to resonate with a lot of people.
2: You're very welcome. I, I love it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I got to jump in real quick, TJ. You just you just <laughs> blew us away today, man. I remember, you know, you and I only got to Hang out for a few days, and that was probably a decade ago. We haven't really seen each other since. Yeah, um, <laughs> I knew I knew you were going to be good today, but I don't think I knew that you would be this good. I mean, story, engaging story after engaging story, and I think the 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 lessons that you learned and shared uh, through all those stories was just so incredible. And yeah, I think anyone who listens to this and watches this is going to really take a lot away. So I want to thank you for your time today, and thanks for. Thanks for uh, coming on.
2: Thank you, guys. Appreciate you.
0: Yeah, dude, it's so cool. Everyone has different paths to success. And this story that you just shared with our audience with the candor and transparency, I think was just so badass. And we, dude, I loved hearing it. Thanks so much for sharing it with us.
2: You're very welcome. Anna. Thank you, DJ. Thank you.
0: Be sure to check out our website, findyourfreedompod.com, for all the tools and tips you need to find your own freedom. Also, sign up for our Badass Newsletter.